Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, equipping us to grow into a deeper walk with Christ. Part of Night Vision each weeknight. Details at vision.org.au. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. We might even want to count the number of people who we used to sit beside in church, who we used to attend youth group with, whose family used to come to the children's ministry and be a part of the family ministries of our church. We might all know someone or many who have walked away from church. Somehow or other they got disconnected. Now they're disenchanted with church and coming back to church and getting right back into the swing of what it is to have real relationship with God and with his people is something that is far removed from them. Well, we're back today to discuss those sorts of things that happen in the life of people and also as Christian believers, how we might walk alongside those who are disenchanted with their Christian faith and how can we bring them back to a deeper and a much more positive appreciation of who God is and make him Lord of their lives once again. Dr. Dave Benson is back with us, a leading thinker and researcher on the role of faith in 21st century Western culture. He's leading the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity's work on culture and discipleship. Dave, a special welcome back to 2020. Hey, thanks so much, Neil. It's lovely to join you. Dave, we all know someone who no longer comes to church. They've cooled down in their faith. Maybe even they've become antagonistic towards church and faith and for all sorts of reasons. This is something you're looking into in your own research studies. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Neil. Um, My background originally was in high school teaching and then youth work and youth pastoring. And uh, since that time, uh, then doing evangelism and community outreach, some teaching and theology, now working in... uh, in London, looking at culture and discipleship, I have seen um, droves of people that that I've been friends with, have invested into, have cared for, walked alongside, who have walked away from the church. Um, and for some of them, they've eventually, uh, as one study called it, they've hemorrhaged faith. Uh, usually, it does start with disconnecting from the church. Um, there's a lot of people who are almost in exile, in a sense, where they've left the church, but they still have some belief in Jesus but it doesn't have an institutional expression. And often the church isn't great at connecting with people who don't want to show up to the programs, don't want to attend the gathering. How do they connect? And and it's difficult for them to find a place because uh, often our gatherings are more about looking at a stage, hearing people present things. It's much less about bring your questions, your doubts, your concerns, and let's journey together and find a way towards life. Let me throw you in the deep end here, Dave, because so many of us might have had the experience of being friends with people in church and you're looking to extend those expressions of friendship and you might have a number of friends in church and there's only a certain limited number perhaps that you can have as intimate friends, but then someone falls away and drops out of church life. It's almost as though... Uh, they become persona non grata, the person Mm. who we Mm. don't talk to anymore because they left us, didn't they? We didn't leave them. But how do we we approach those people who've left church and somehow or other something a part of them has been lost as well? Yeah, yeah. Thanks thanks for for raising that situation. Um, I I think two things for me. First, 
I think it's helpful to think of church not as the building, not as just the gathering on Sunday, where, where the church gathered on Sunday, but where the church scattered throughout the week. And I kind of hope that we have friendships throughout the week with people who are both Christian and non-Christian. Um, so I think part of the problem is that often our expressions of church are so focused on programs and gatherings that we don't actually see it embedded into the nature of our everyday lives. And that's one of the first problems. But the second thing is when I look at Jesus, he's like, go after the one. <laughs> like you've got 99, sure, but go after the ones. Um, you see that actually in uh, a story by Eusebius, one of the early church fathers, um, uh, church historians who talked about the Apostle John in his later years where he'd set up a person to connect with the community. He came back later and found out that they'd left. And he's like, did you go after them? They're like, no. And he, at great cost and danger as an old man, actually went looking for this person and found them and listened to them and talked to them and invited them back in a community. It starts with an attitude of hospitality that we are hosting people wherever we are, whoever we are, whatever we do, in our workplaces, in our schools, um, not just through programs. So I think the attitude of you left us is part of the problem. It should be more an attitude of with Christ, we're called to go to people. Now, now we can't reach everyone. I get that. But hopefully we're not simply associates or acquaintances. We're actually friends. And if we're really friends, then we don't dump people as soon as they stop connecting to the church. We actually say, I love you as a person. Where are you at? How are you going? How can I hear you? We might all ask, how much effort do we put into people who leave the church, but we don't necessarily know that they're antagonistic or if they've got an unresolved issue? Sometimes people believe the wrong things. Uh, They've heard some gossip. Gossip's a dreadful thing. How much effort do you think, Dave, ought we put in? Because I guess the minimal thing is make a phone call, but how much effort would you go to to actually go and find that one who's astray? Well, I mean, I, I give an example story for me and, and uh, the person I'm sharing about, um, I've, I've got permission in general to share some of this story because um, uh, they're, they're really open with it. Um, but uh, I, I had a, a guy, Mitch, um, when I was doing youth work, uh, he was connected with our with our church. He um, uh, he basically grew up in a quite a fundamentalist family and um, rejected his faith in kind of around the age of 15, I think it was. Um, and, um, and I'm not saying you can do this for every person, you can't, but uh, Mitch and I have kept contact since he was 15, and I think I was in my early 20s at that stage, and we still, about every six or eight weeks, have a Zoom call. I'm in London now, he's in Australia, um, and basically we touch base, we share how we're doing. Um, it's not pushy in any sense. I mean, occasionally it goes in more of a faith direction. Um, over the last, yeah, it must be 15 or 20 years now, um, we've built a real uh, friendship of mutual respect. It's not simply I'm talking to Mitch so that he will come back to faith. No, I actually really love the guy. Um, he's now married, has a little kid. He's got two little kids. We talk about how he's going with life. And it's interesting because he, he's gone from fundamentalist to atheist and caustically so. <laughs> um, to then he would say mostly atheist but a little bit agnostic. And now he says he's kind of almost agnostic on Tuesdays and Thursdays and the rest of the time his heart really is aimed at Jesus but he still struggles to see how he can read the Bible in a way that doesn't throw him back into this fundamentalist attitude. We've even had times of doing the practice of Lectio Divina, of reading the scriptures and 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 saying, you know, what does this mean? And, and he's going, but I don't necessarily believe that this is inspired. And I'm like, that's okay. It's a classic text with wisdom. Let's just see what comes up. And it might be what comes up is actually that you hate this passage. That's okay. Let's just have a conversation about it. So it's, it's far less prescriptive and controlling. And it's much more how do I journey alongside you and hear where you are at 
without trying to coerce or control you to get to someplace I think you should be. It's easy to be condemning too, isn't it? And perhaps that's mm. the worst approach. Uh, your thoughts though, because when you have got that connection, uh, maybe you're sitting around having the coffee and you're saying, where am I going with this conversation? Uh, you've got to be very careful. And I know in a conversation we had earlier, the thought that, you know, you don't have to tell people a lot of things. You just have to be there to be a listening ear. How important is it to be that person who is a listening ear, even if your friend uh, might be, uh, you know, very uh, antagonistic towards God and t- antagonistic towards the church. Yeah, I, I think it's one of the most important things. I mean, so many people don't feel listened to. And it, it's funny because in um, some of the research that's just come out from uh, Barna uh, called The Open Generation, uh, opengeneration.info, if you want to look it up, uh, they found that most people identify Jesus as listening, but they don't experience Christians as particularly listening. Um, Jesus was wise, but they about a third of the people that thought Jesus was wise feel that Christians are wise. Um, so there's a big disconnect there. I, I think one of the first things for me is um, I recognize that God himself, through his spirit, is drawing people to him. And, and they're on a journey and he, God gives them autonomy. He gives them freedom to move towards or to move away from him. It's not my job to control that or to condemn them. It is my job to be honest about the way I see things. So so I'll, I'll typically just make a lot of space to say, let me understand you. Like, tell me your story. Tell me what's going on. What, what are the things you love? What are the things you hate? What are you hoping for? Where, you know, how does life make sense to you? And if you picture that we're sitting across each other, um, across from each other at a table, I'm not so much debating or disagreeing with you. We're both looking at on the table uh, almost like images or photos of our lives. And we're saying, how does this look to you? And we're coming from different angles. So it looks this way to me, but how does it look to you? And and my job is to help draw them out um, and to share how I see it, but not to tell them what they should do. They've actually got a freedom to decide what they're going to do, but I can say what I think is wise, what I think might be helpful. But I'm saying, I don't know, here's how I see it. But you have freedom. How do you see it? What do you want? And you see Jesus ask that question a lot. What do you want? And I think getting to the heart of someone's desire is is the heart of all things. I, I just wish that our Christian communities, our youth groups, our interactions with others looked much less prescriptive and much more open for this kind of dialogue. Because that's actually what young people are crying out for, is to be heard and to dialogue, not simply be to, to be preached at from someone with a microphone at a stage uh, and actually just telling them the way it is and expecting them to swallow it because they're not going to. Let's take the pressure off the shoulders of the church leaders. Sometimes we mm. think the pastor is the shepherd. The pastor is the one who sort of you know holds the crook and uh, go and find mm. uh, that lost sheep. There's a sense here, and I think I can hear your heartbeat, in that the pastor can only do so much. The people mm. who have been in church life, and if they've fallen out of church life, perhaps there's responsibility on our shoulders to be shepherds, or maybe we could call ourselves under-shepherds, but... The shepherding idea, this is something that relates to all of us in church, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, LICC, who I work for, one of our core uh, kind of driving forces is to say that we are the whole people of God together, uh, and we're meant to be trained and equipped for the whole mission of God. And that mission is not uh, simply gathered programs. It's the scattered church in our places of work, um, in our schools, in our gyms and places of play. 
that that actually the pastor's role is not some not to do all of this stuff. They're to help train and equip us to do it, um, because we are Christ's hands and feet as we go out into the world. So, so I think yeah, the whole body is meant to be involved in this, and and so we're meant to be a community of hospitality. Now, sometimes that'll be in a gathered sense, like you might run a group in your home and you're having a dinner. Um, the house church I used to be part of, we'd run these nights called Open Table. And we would basically have um, a night with a theme that was very much related to human issues. It could be war and peace. It could be love and hate. It could be um, migration and stability. We'd have a theme. We'd have a piece of art. Um, and we'd have a Bible passage. And we'd share that with any friends. And anyone could come. And we would have people who are Christian, people who are atheists, people from other religions. And they'd bring food to share and a story to share. And in that space, they would basically just say, Here's how that theme relates to my life. And then we'd weave that into the biblical story. And we'd find on these nights the most glorious conversations as people from totally different perspectives just did life together and shared. That for us was a a gathered expression of this kind of shepherding, um, a space to tell your story, to be heard and connect that to God's story. But it's also individuals just making time to catch up, sending an email, a little message, uh, just saying, how are you doing? I'm thinking of you. We'd love to hear how you're going. So it's not forcing a conversation, it's having that listening ear. And I think Mm. listeners can hear that encouragement from you today, Dave. It's keep Mm. those lines of communications open. It's making that phone call. It's offering that hospitality. It's inviting people around for a meal or for supper. It's keeping open invitations when you've got events that you would have ordinarily invited those friends to, to keep inviting, even if the invitation is not responded to in the affirmative. Oftentimes, the invitation itself is a powerful message. Wonderful getting your insights once again. And let me point people how they can connect with our guest. Dr. Dave Benson is one of those leading thinkers and researchers. Wonderful to have him on the program today. He leads the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity's work on culture and discipleship. There is a website. It's licc.org.uk and you can be connected with Dr. Dave Benson. Dave, thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. It's a real pleasure. Thank you, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.